Well, good morning. If Easter is the Super Bowl for churches, then Mother's Day must be the World Series. It is a time where we can get together and honor and remember mothers and what they do and mean for many of us. But just like a sporting event where there is a lot of celebration, there also are some difficulties and some hardships that are witnessed, whether it takes place on a court, a field, or a diamond. And Mother's Day is certainly no exception. As we recognize this morning that people are here to celebrate not only God, but the gift of mothers, we also recognize that there are people here this morning who are in a time of grief. Uh, There are those of you who maybe didn't have the mother uh, that is exemplified in the scripture we're going to be looking at this morning. Or maybe for some of you, you're a long ways away from mom. Or quite possibly you've lost a mother maybe in the last few months or maybe years ago and you still feel the sting and the pain of losing someone that you love so dear. So this morning we're not going to try to gloss it over and try to make you feel happy. If this is a time where you have come and you feel grief, we want to welcome you in your grief and let you know that we will sit with you. And we will be with you in this time. And if you're here to celebrate, we want you to know that we want to celebrate with you as well. And so this morning, before we jump into any of the passages or or go on, I just want to spend a few moments in prayer as we ask God's Holy Spirit to come in here and be with us in this time. Let's pray. Father God, you're an awesome God and we love you. And we thank you for the fact that you're a God who forgives sins, but you're also a God who fills our emptiness. That you're a God who allows uh, us to feel purpose in our life. That you're a God who doesn't neglect us and leave us alone. That you're a God who comes to us in our mountaintop experiences and our times where we can celebrate, but you're also a God of the valley, a God of hospital rooms, of funeral homes, and on Mother's Day when we so desperately miss the woman that we love. And so God, we just we thank you for giving us these emotions and not leaving us alone, but being with us as we experience the ups and downs of life. Lord, we just pray that through this morning, you will be glorified and honored. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. I want to take this morning, uh, some time this morning, and talk about the different roles that mothers play. And I want to share with you uh, a short excerpt that a preacher shared years ago talking about some things that he learned from his mother. He said, My mother taught me to appreciate a job well done. She said, If you're going to kill each other, do it outside because I just cleaned the house. He says, my mother taught me about religion. You better pray that that comes out of the carpet. My mother taught me about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. My mother taught me about logic. Why? Because I said so, that's why. My mother taught me about foresight. If you're, you make sure that you wear clean underwear just in case you have an accident. My mother taught me about irony. 
if you keep crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. That was one of my favorites. My mother taught me about osmosis. Son, you better shut your mouth and eat your supper. I don't know how the spoon was supposed to get in, but I had to figure that one out. My mother taught me about weather. This room of yours looks like a tornado just went through it. My mother taught me about the circle of life. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out of it. My, my mother taught me about behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. My mother taught me about envy. Son, there are millions of less fortunate children in this world who don't have wonderful parents like you do. My mother taught me about anticipation. Just wait until we get home. My mother taught me how to become an adult. If you don't eat your vegetables, you're never going to grow up. My mother taught me about agriculture. Shut that door behind you. Do you think you were born in a barn? My mother taught me about wisdom. When you get to be my age, you'll understand. And my mother taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids, and I hope they turn out just like you. Well, there's a lot of different things that mothers have taught us, but this morning I want to go to a passage that we don't normally think about mothers when we look at it. In fact, even though it has two moms in it, we really focus on the other person. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 3. If you don't, repent and bring your Bible next week. Or at least uh, get your handheld device and scroll through to 1 Kings chapter 3. It's a passage that I think everybody in here has, has heard of multiple times. I don't know if it made it on the flannel graph uh, just because there would have been some real difficult scenes to try to portray through these characters. But this really seemingly is a story about Solomon, right? We're going to talk about Solomon and his wisdom. In fact, earlier in verses 1 through 15, we have Solomon, and it's talked about that he's followed in his father's footsteps, David, and uh, he's worshipped God, and, and now God comes to him in a dream, and he says, I'll give you anything that you want. And Solomon uh, has great humility, and he says, I'm just like a child, and I don't know how to lead these great people of yours. And he says, I would like to have um, a great heart of wisdom so that I might be able to help lead these people. And God says, because you didn't ask for long life for yourself, or short life for your enemies, or wealth, I'm going to give you the wisdom that you asked for to help lead these people. In addition to that, I'm going to give you wealth, and as long as you follow me, I'm going to give you a long life. And so this is really the setup, verses 1 through 15 setups, uh, leads up to what we're going to hear about in verse 16. Solomon's wisdom is going to be put on display. And so many times we think the key character is Solomon, and maybe it is, but, but there's these two other individuals that really come a part of this story. And I want to spend some time reading about them. So if you have your Bibles again, 1 Kings chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 16. It says, Now two 
prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, My Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. I want to stop for just a second and look at this. Boy, this is not a good Mother's Day, Mother's Day sermon, is it? I mean, we've already started off with what? This is awkward, isn't it? The two prostitutes. Well, the Hebrew word uh, is the same word that's used for Rahab, which is commonly she is considered a prostitute, although that word could also be an innkeeper. But, it, but almost every translation feels comfortable with calling these two women prostitutes or harlots. And you're thinking, wow, where are we going with this one? And I think I want to start off with this. I just I want to ease the mind of some of you ladies who feel like you don't uh, meet up to the expectations of what society has created or you're not as good as the other mother who does PTA and all these different things and is running all over the place. We need to understand this first and foremost. Mothers aren't perfect. There is no expectation that when you become a mother, you instantly know everything and do everything right. That was something that was really surprising to me, not as a mother, of course, because I don't understand what that's about, but being a father, it was really weird walking out of the hospital with a child a little over 15 years ago. And I kept thinking, before I could get Wyatt in the car seat and into the car, somebody was going to stop me and say, you can't have that child, you have no idea what you're doing. And my response would be, you're exactly right. Uh, Jennifer and I looked at each other and said, how are we going to do this? We got him home and there were no more nurses around, there was nobody, it was just she and I, and we looked at this little baby and said, what do we do now? And when the baby cried, we didn't know what to do. You know, do we need to feed him? Does he need... Mothers aren't perfect. And for those of you women who are out there thinking, oh, I just, I'm not good enough, I want you to know that, that God doesn't call you to be perfect. Here we have an example of a wonderful mother, and she's made some pretty poor decisions in her life. So... Even if we say, well, you know what, she, she wasn't a prostitute, maybe she was an innkeeper, she most likely wasn't married, she didn't have a husband, she didn't have a man who would come and speak on her behalf before the king. This was a single mother trying to raise her baby and fight, literally fight for its life. And so she comes before the king with an issue that we're going to read about in verse 19. Picking up there, it says, During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from, she, and took my, son from my side while your servant and I was asleep. While, excuse me, while I, your servant, was asleep. But she put him next to my side and put her dead son by my side. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son that I had borne. So we're going to stop again and look this, look at this for just a moment. The two women were in the house. The babies were just three days apart. In the middle of the night, uh, one of the, the mothers uh, rolled over and laid on her son and suffocated him. Uh, and then, because she didn't want to lose her baby, she swapped out. 
in the middle of the night. The mother wakes up, and I think this is an important point for us to know as well. What time did the mom get up? Early in the morning. The mom was already sacrificing for her child by getting up early to feed him and take care of him. But when she looked at him, she realized that wasn't her baby. What are we going to do now? Verse 21, we can pick up and see. It says, the next morning I got up to nurse my son and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son that I had bore. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son, the dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours and the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. The king said, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. And the other one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He then gave an order, cut the living child in two and give one half to one and the other half to the other. Okay, so now we've really gone off our rocker. Why in the world, again, are we talking about two prostitutes arguing before a king and the king decides the best thing to do is to cut the baby in half. We're going the wrong direction here. Now this is really a story about a king and his wisdom, but we really need to look at why he was so wise. It was based on the assumption of what? Why would he suggest that they cut the baby in two. What is he basing his decision on? The mother's love. I mean, we almost just gloss over that fact. Why is this such a great decision? Because Solomon knew that a mother would love her son or daughter so much that they would be willing to give them up in order that they might live. This is the story of a woman who would love her son that she would offer up a relationship with her son just so that he could live. Let's, let's kind of unpackage this for just a moment. As far as we can tell, this woman doesn't have a partner, a husband around to help raise the child. Uh, she probably doesn't have a whole lot of money. Uh, she probably doesn't have a great deal of support. Uh, she's uh, sharing a household with another woman who also has a child. And apparently their friendship is not so great that her friend or roommate or the person who's staying with her is willing enough to take away the live child and replace her with a dead one. This, this is not proper roommate etiquette. And here she has a decision to make. Times are hard. She didn't have the opportunity to excel in society. She, she wasn't going to have a great job and a lot of money. Having a child, especially considering her potential occupation, Maybe it was better that she didn't have one. I mean, it's being a single mom, raising a child, waking up early in the morning, 
trying to figure out when you're going to feed the child and how you're going to feed yourself, man, those first few days can be really, really exhausting, can't they? Maybe she was already setting in, how, how am I going to do this? She could just say, you know what, that's, that's your child. You, you, you can have her. You, you can take care of her. She was sacrificing the fact that having a child was going to drastically change her life. She was also willing to sacrifice the fact that she was losing a relationship. That she would offer up her child and say, you know what, you, you can have this child. This is what it reads as, as we continue on. The, women, the woman whose son was alive was filled with compassion for her son and said to the king, please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other woman said, neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Well, it's pretty obvious who the mother is now, right? Because we all know after reading this story, it's obvious. It's, it's the mother who's willing to sacrifice. That's the real mother. Not sacrifice her own child. The one that's willing to sacrifice herself and what she wants so that child might live. That's the real mother. And isn't that the key ingredient to being a mother? The sacrifice? sacrificing in ways that your children will never fully comprehend, that you're not going to sit down and write a list of things that you did for your child. In fact, most people will never know about those ways in which you gave of yourself so that your child might have food on the table, so that your child might have opportunities to do things that you didn't get to participate in at their age. One of the greatest characteristics of a loving mother is her willingness to sacrifice. And so we see a lot of wisdom in Solomon by his decision. Today it would go a little different, wouldn't it? I mean, couldn't you just take a maternity test? Couldn't you just take a swab from the mouth or pull out a piece of hair, run some DNA, and before long you know who the real mother is. This morning, I want to argue that a mother doesn't have to do with DNA, doesn't have to do with blood. It has to do with love and sacrifice. And so, while today is not an easy day for many mothers... Maybe it's because you're grieving over losing your own mother or maybe it's tough because you're a mom and you have little kids in the house and you had to get them up this morning, get them ready, and somehow walk into the foyer and pretend like you have everything together. This morning, I want to take just a few moments and I want to honor each of you and the place where you are in your life. For the single mothers here in this auditorium, I want to applaud you and your willingness to make sacrifices 
while raising your child, please know that you are never alone in your journey. For moms with kids in the house, what I want to say to you is this. Hang in there. Don't give up. God chose you for that role to raise those children. For those of you who are moms and you have kids who are far off and you don't see each other quite as often as you would like, on their behalf, we want to say we appreciate you. That you are loved. And while your child may be hundreds of miles away, you have represented motherhood to each one of us here in this family. And we thank you. For those of you who have never had children, we want to remind you that a mom is not identified by DNA, but by love and sacrifice. And even if you may have never bore a child of your own, many of you have been a mother to so many others. And for that, we thank you. For those of you who miss their moms, who are no longer with us, we want you to know that we grieve with you. And we know that this is a difficult day. For those of you who didn't have a loving mother, we want you to know you have a God who does love you. And even if it wasn't modeled in the house, we have a God who sacrificed just for you. For all the mothers in this room, we want to thank you for modeling the love that God has for all His children. And lastly, I want to expand this out not only to our mothers, not only to the females, but to all of us. I want this to be an opportunity to remind us that no matter where you've been, where you are, or where you think you're going, that no matter what happens, that you have a God who loves you. And He has given the greatest sacrifice for each one of you. Just this morning, Wyatt came into the room and he says, Dad, I want to ask you a question, and that's usually never a good sign. <laughs> and he said, he said, Dad, why do people die? And, and then he said, you know, like before they're supposed to. And he said, um, one of my classmates was killed in a car accident this weekend. A freshman, 15 years old. Like, why, why does that happen? And so we had to sit down and talk a little bit about that. Why does that happen? You know, we, we live in a fallen world. And there is brokenness all around us. And it's broken because God loves us so much that He said, you get to choose how to live your life. You can choose if you want to stop at a red light. You can choose if you want to stay with your spouse. You can choose if you want to pick up a gun or throw a rock. You can choose if you want to walk out on your family, cheat on your taxes. You can choose if you want to 
drink alcohol and get behind the wheel of a vehicle. You get to make those choices. And because people make those choices, this world hurts. And hearts get broken. And 15-year-olds die in car accidents. And if God takes away that right to choose, then we're just a bunch of robots. But there's one thing that God gave us. And that's His Son. And with His Son, He gave His Spirit. And with His Spirit, He gave a promise that He's coming back for each one of us. That no matter what happens in this world, car accidents, bad moms, losing a mother that you love so much, that does not change the promise that God gave for us. Not just on Mother's Day, but every day. God says, I love you and I'm never going to leave you. And no matter what's happened in your life, I'm always here for you. And I thank God that He made that decision. And this morning, I thank God for mothers. For those of you who have bore children, those of you who have adopted children, those of you who put up with our children that run around in the hallways, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for reminding us that we have a God who loves us. We see Jesus by the way you treat us and our children. And we thank you. This morning we're going to sing a song of invitation. It's an invitation uh, not only for you to come forward, but it's an invitation for you to express your love and your thanksgiving to a God who'd be willing to give everything so that we might ha have life. And so this morning, whether it means coming forward or just standing up, I invite you to join us as we praise God as we stand and sing.